Here we go again. Back at it. Back at it. Blow the whistle. Another episode. Another episode of the BTW Interactive Podcast. We're talking sports and mental health. My name is D Brown. You know what it is. It's your co-host here, Dame, not your average therapist. You know how we do it. Every week, we bring in that heat. We bring in that rawness. Right and now. we're on fire right now. This is one of the hottest podcasts. How you doing, man? What's going on, David Tyree? Listen, man, we here, brother. Hey, man, I just want to want to say, I'm the first time I'm gonna say it. The first of many, just thank you for coming on, man. Blow the whistle. This podcast is just about sports and mental health, man. Really, just coming from a, a real human uh, perspective, man. About you know how life is, lifestyles, what we do to get in and out of situations, you know, and and celebrate, you know, the things that you've accomplished, the the man you've become. And so, man, just want to just, just first of all, just you know, before we even get started, to thank you, can't thank you enough for being a guest, man. I, I told the viewers, man, hey, we are looking forward to this story because this man has a has a great story. Not just talking about the Giants and the Ravens and the whole experience in the National Football League, but what you you know what you were able to accomplish before and and, and post career, uh, man, is just admirable. And I was just uh, just want to say thank you again. Like I said, that's that's going to be the first of of many, man. But want to thank you so much for being able being a guest. Man, I'm on it, brother. I'm on it. When we talk about life and things that actually have real substance, um, you know, it's, you know, sports is kind of the linchpin for everybody and, and for most people in our world. But uh, you know, it, it, we talk about real life. You know, no dress rehearsals. We only get one shot to do it. So to bring some uh, context, clarity, it's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good. One. So we wanted to bring that aspect to it, just just from your thought perspective. You know, underlining. Um, thoughts and feelings and behaviors yeah. and you know what led you to become to the person that you are today whether that's trials tribulations as well as triumphs so we definitely want to take a, a deeper examination into the thought process of David Tyree and not just the football player we always say that we want to dig we want to get up underneath the helmet we want to get up underneath that helmet to kind of get the psychological yeah. you know impact and effects of of football and just family life, like he said, and just personal experience. Before we do that, now I gotta, I, I gotta shout you out for what you did with the plate now. You know, I, you know, I gotta do that now. So we, we of course, we know this is Syracuse alum all whole day, Mister oh, Owens. Okay, you. sixth round pick for the Giants. Mm -hmm. The word was, you know, a special teams guy, mm -hmm. and you took that word. No you question. Know, took that word, because that's what we, any word we can get in the league, we're going to take it. <laughs> it made the best out of it and wound up being 2005 Pro Bowl selection. Ooh. All pro. That's correct. All pro. We go from the sixth round to being a special team, you know, a guy that's, that's selected to, to basically be a special teams guy and a backup receiver. And he takes that role, takes the most, because there's not a lot of opportunities in special right. teams. You get about 20 snaps a game. Mm -hmm. So you wow. got a grade out, hundred, you know, close to it, and he was yeah. a star. He made a 2005 Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. Then you go from that to being, man, I, I'm, I just got to say it, <laughs> one of the best performances in a Super Bowl. Man, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I'm yeah. telling, you, I was sitting well, there watching that thing proud too. Yeah. Well, I was like, whoa, that's my dog. 
That's my dog right there. I, I know you from 81. I don't know 85. You know what I'm saying? So, man, just to see you doing that, man, just kind of talk about that experience, man, coming from where you came from, you know, you know, as a puppet. And, and, and right, obviously, man, big shouts to, to Q's, right? That's that's the foundation, right? Um, just a little gritty kid from Essex County, New Jersey, go up to Syracuse, and, and automatically, you know, when I get there, you know, you were an established uh, veteran a couple years ahead of me. Guys like Will Allen, Donald McNabb uh, last year. Um, you come into this environment where now, you know, you're just a little Rudy Poop. And that, the competitive nature in me and the quality of talent that we had is kind of what set the, the, the foundation for who I was to become. No one goes to Syracuse with the expectation of becoming a special teams player or a special teams maven, right? Everybody is going there to shoot their shot and be the guy. And um, yeah, I guess what created that mindset for me early on was, well, shoot, man, it's not my time to shine yet. We got Kevin Johnson, Quentin Spotwood. I'm, I'm getting a red shirt. How am I going to make an impact? How am I going to get on the field? How am I going to get my name in the paper? How am I going to contribute to the stat sheet? And so, you know, it wasn't above me. I mean, like, I, I get it. I mean, it worked, you know, everybody, and I think that was preached to some extent, accused. But, um, but at the same time, I embraced the opportunity to get on the field and make a play. And, you know, I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't go to, to, to Q's with like NFL aspirations like that. It just, you know, when I had my son as a junior in college, I, I really, I realized that there was an opportunity and I, I had, I, I, you know, to, to lay that, 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 that road for him in a way where there was peace and provision was, you know, that's kind of what really inspired that next level. So, yeah, man, getting drafted, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I, was, I don't think I was on anybody's board going in my senior year. So, so, you know, to get drafted was just kind of out of this world too, you know, and uh, of course the work was put in, but honestly, that's the foundation to the mentality was just that, man, you got to adapt. When things don't work out your way, you know, I, I was willing to put all that on me. Say, man, listen, if, 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 I, if I drop a ball, that's like dropping three balls. Cause you know what? I'm not the sexiest dude on the field. I'm not a quick twitch athlete. So I, I kind of charged myself, even when I had to overcome some of those, you know, everybody goes through a measure of politics, especially a collegiate and professional that's sport. Right. So that's kind of the foundation of my, my mentality. I was the NFL special teams rookie of the year. I, I expected to be great as, as a special teamer because I had enough, enough sweat equity through those four, four years of college. And I think it was the mentality more than anything that paved the way for you know some of those other areas of competitiveness where maybe they maybe I you know they didn't they didn't necessarily see me as that receiver. And I don't think you know and when I, if I could be honest with y'all real quick, absolutely, please do. Let's just be let, let me just be honest. When you see some of the the athletic ability and some of the players that we in, in Division One and even especially in the pros, they, listen, man, I get it. Like <laughs> like I'm just a dog. I got a dog mentality. Y'all would have loved to have the body of a. Johnny Morant with his, you know, the speed of a, you know, of a Kevin Johnson. It, it just didn't all work out to me, but I had the grit to be able to compete and play and, 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 and bring some results at the, at the next level. Man, you found, you found something, you, you know, you didn't, you didn't focus on what you didn't have and you, you didn't go into envy. You found the value that you, that you did have and the talent that you did have and perfected that craft. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Now, now, I definitely wanted to dig in because you talked about your, your perseverance, your motivation, your grind, your grit, that personality. 
um, that you possess on the football field. And I wanted to talk about earlier years and how that was developed over time. Yeah. Like, where, where did you get that that grit and that, that drive to say, you know what, I may not be the fastest, I may not be the shiftiest, but I do have something that, I, that, that some people may not have, and that's the ability to persevere and push through obstacles regardless. Where, where did you get that from? Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, it's amazing when you grab hold of something, right? Like, um, it, it may, you know, like words are so powerful. And I remember when I was, uh, you know, single digits as a young kid, my sister, she said, you know, you can go up and get one of these scholarships. And I didn't even play any any sports yet, but she's got a seed. You know, every words are like seeds. And she and she kind of planted a seed. So, you know, later on, a few years later down the road, I started getting involved in sports and I was still young and dumb and I was, you know, I had a street mentality. So I found, I found, you know, tons of, tons of hiccups and, and speed bumps along the way. But after kind of getting arrested twice, uh, you know, silly arrest, but rest nonetheless in seventh and eighth grade. Um, that was the first time where I shifted my energy, shifted my, my, my decision-making in a way where I focused on sports. And really it was just, you know what? The amazing thing was another thought I had as a young kid was, you know, like it was a simple evaluation. Like, you know, everybody wants to be somebody, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I noticed like, man, there's nobody famous in my family. You know, like, you know, you hear a kid here, a kid there, they know this person. And I just aspired to do something great. And I latched hold of athletics in a way where I set my gaze on that scholarship. Once, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, you get your first piece of letter and it's like, oh my goodness, this is possible. So, you know, I think from there, it kind of narrowed the, the, the field and I was willing to outwork the guy next to me. That's the bottom line. There was nothing, not, you know, of course I had ability, you know, you have to have a measure of ability, but yeah. that was it. There were so many more talented people and I, most of us have similar stories. And that was the foundation for my mindset was, you know what, you know, and I didn't know, you know, of course in high school, we're typically, you know, on a high level of athletic ability, but right. no, it was, it was more talented guys. And, and immediately when I got to Syracuse, I was like, okay, this, this is different out here. <laughs> so <laughs> the boys from Florida, the boys, <laughs> I got to dig in, I got to dig That's in. Right. It was, it was, it was those things early on that set the seed as far as, you know, what, what the what course I was going to take. And it's amazing how God kind of just begins to make some things happen for us. But DT, man, you know, I heard you, you know, you spoke of obviously some decision, decision making, a lack of back, you know, in, in middle school. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of uh, coaches. There's a lot of uh, mentors. There's a lot of youth sports kids. There's a lot of middle schoolers. They're gonna watch this, man. You know, what? Cause some people are gonna don't live the same life, so gonna wonder like, what? You got arrested in, in middle school? Like, what? Is, oh, what is oh yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. what, what happened? Yeah, like, right. what was your mindset? What were, like, answer some of that, bro, because it's happening. It's oh, happening man. even even to this day. Yeah. So, and I was fortunate to move to a really nice town. East Orange is rough and gritty over here in Essex County. I moved to Montclair when I was young, but that mentality of, uh, you know, my family's mostly from Newark, East Orange, and some of the, t you know, um, more urban areas. And Montclair's a nice little suburb right outside. You know, we got, we got enough, we had enough pools over there too, but it was a much better environment. But I had that mentality. Honestly, it's really rooted out of acceptance, right? So I've grown up to really kind of get a general understanding of what every human is looking for, right? Is approval and acceptance. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, when I was young, you know, of course, the, the rap game and 
Onyx and you know, gang, everybody had their little cliques and gangs, and that was that. That was kind of how it started, and it was looking for that approval and acceptance amongst your peers, young teens, and um, it just happened. You know, like the first one, you know, was a joyriding incident where it wasn't. It's kind of like stolen car slash joyriding. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> it wasn't like a true to life stolen car. Right. You know, some girl that we knew, I don't know how exactly, but we ended up with the car. You know, so. I'm in the car. That was the first incident. It, it, uh, two out of four of us got caught. I was one of the two. And then next year was another silly incident uh, with, with the bus aid where, you know, you know, trying to show off for my peers and end up with a lighter and a little bit of her little fur on the on the coat goes up. Boom. Somebody snitched on me. So it's kind of like goofy, dumb, dangerous, but all for the sake of acceptance and approval. But I'll be honest with you. My, my thinking was 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 really jacked up, and I, even to the to the point where you know my rookie year, you know, I, you know, you think that money answers the majority of your problems. I think that's most people. You know, it's amazing how the Bible says money answers all things, so it doesn't even contradict it. But it's, you know, obviously, the love of money is what creates real issues. Well, I found that money didn't answer my problems. It actually intensified all the challenges that I had. I had access to more of my strongholds or more of my, you know, addictions or whatever. Money made me more attractive, so I attract more women. Money, and I, I like alcohol, so I get more more alcohol. So it just actually accelerated some of the evils. And next, guess, guess what I do, you know? My character gets a, a revealed, next thing you know, the same weed I'm smoking, now I'm selling it, you know? Cause I'm gonna keep it real, dude, you know? <laughs> so, Please do, absolutely. Please do, absolutely. Trust me, the thinking making, it's its like an illogical, logical conclusions, you know, wow. but it's rooted in something that is very foundational, um, you know, approval, acceptance. And and so even to the extent of my rookie year, you know, that was really the turning point for me when I got arrested on marijuana possession and I had some decisions to make. I went from hometown hero to zero real fast. Right. And um, yeah, that was kind of that crossroad, road to Damascus experience where I had that moment where I had to decide who I was going to become and by the grace of God things worked out really well. Talk about the the uh you say I used to drink talk about the addiction piece yeah how do we get it how do we get out of that bro because that's 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 big and that's and alcohol is one of the biggest you know it's so crazy because our society separates drugs yeah we, we don't we don't we don't want to say alcohol is a drug right you know right. it's so accessible Everybody can kind of get get a hold of it, and we don't want to just admit that it is. And so it's like, if I do alcohol and I have an alcohol problem, but you do heroin, I'm better than you, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's crazy. You know, so that's, but that's our mindset. Yeah. Yep. But you had to deal with it young, bro. Not even the teenagers. How you know? How do how do we come out of that? Because somebody's listening, saying, "I want to come out of it, but I can't. I don't know how. What yeah. to turn? Oh, oh, I don't oh, have how it started. How it started? Yeah. Well said. Yeah. You know, I talk about how it started for me, and I think it, it was definitely a part of my family dynamic. You know, um, grew up around it. I can remember my my other sister was nine years older, so you can imagine that dynamic. Uh, my mom, dad, dad. I remember my dad coming to the house, and my dad is a tremendous human being by by all stretch. But um, that was that was one of his vices and go tos. He would, you know, and you know, I was young and not knowing what was going on, but grew up in a divorce home. He would come by, drunk. Not like violent, just drunk, you know, just actually sad, sad that he was going through some pain, you know, right. and that was his, that was his, you know, coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I, 
it was around me. I remember private stock, old beer, used to have little monograms. <laughs> like, he would give me a sip of his beer. You right. know, my sister drinking Cisco, they let me get a sip of Cisco. I'm a kid, I'm, ten, I'm less than 10 years old. So seeds planted early, those seeds come to maturity, you become social, same, same old thing. And um, I think those deep fears, right? Like we wanna talk about those buzzwords, those fears, the rejections, those fears of not being accepted. Right. It's, a matter, it's a way to be comfortable with yourself when you don't even like yourself, right? So it takes those inhibitors away, right? That frontal lobe piece. And, yeah. and, and so that was me, 14 years old, I'm drinking. Junior year, I drank a, a 40 ounce, a half a pint of Jack, smoke a blunt every weekend. Like, like that's 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 kind of that's just my weekend gig, you know. So college, you already know that's blackout territory. That was like every weekend, no question. I, and I was that dude. I was that messy drunk for the most part. Like, like, you know. So it was it was my so environment, life. bro. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It was definitely lifestyle. Nothing to be proud of because I remember waking up in other people's like crib, like not knowing what happened the night before and actually being afraid to some extent like you know we laugh it off we see each other the next day study hall and laugh it off but you know there's a moment of sobriety where you're like man i'm out i'm out of control and and we don't know how to get it so for me the change and the shift I, this is what i share with people when it comes to vices because you know some of us is sex some of us is alcohol some of us is marijuana some of us all kind of ways where we escape our fears and try to you know and I said, you can't, you know, you can't get free from your friends. You only get free from your enemies, right? You can't get delivered from your friends. So if you like something, it's gonna be real difficult to part with the things that we like, right? And earn those I ain't, things. I ain't tell you, hold on. I we gotta tell you. We gotta rewind, we gotta rewind it. The reason we got these, cause yeah. when you mess around and throw a jewel out there, <laughs> we gotta stop the play. We gotta stop the play. We gotta stop the play. Ain't no flag. But we just got we got to replay that because man, that, that's that's a jewel, man. You know that really yeah. is. You know you you talking, you preaching to me. These, these two hosts right here, as well as right. the people that's that's watching. Absolutely. So, so, so give me that it's, one more time. It's it's us. It's us in this thing called life. And you know, I, I I found myself a hypocrite in many different junctures along the way, right? I think if we just be honest, right? Like, and eventually you get sick and tired of being that constant. You know, like. And I tell people all the time, oftentimes we, we ascribe so much pain and hurt to what other people have done with us, but no one's let me down more than me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so no one's ever let me down more than me. Meaning like most of us believe in our, have a general belief in ourselves and our ability to do something better in life. But, you know, it's like the old New Year's resolution, you know, chucked it by two weeks <laughs> down the road, right? right. So it's, it's those moments. And I think when we're talking about things as serious as alcoholism and things as common as we made alcohol in our society, because you know how it is, you put money on it. You know, we got to find a way to, <laughs> to make this right. That's that's, right. that's the prohibition, just look at the history. Right. So it, it was a drug back then, it's a drug now. Um, you know, of course, you know, there's, there's a difference just, you know, for me as a spiritual man, there's a difference between having a drink and being drunk, right? So we get that, we, you know, we can acknowledge that. But most people don't have the ability, whether it's generational, or whether it's I just lack self-control, or whether I want to be liked in this social environment, and that opens up the gateway to unnecessary challenges and vices. Now, now we're talking about addiction, and and me being a therapist, I'm, it's always kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg type thing. Did the addiction happen before the mental health 
piece of it or was it more mental health and just the subconscious thoughts of wanting to be accepted or the, the lack of self-esteem um, or confidence that you had that that kind of pushed you into that substance abuse arena as far as addiction is concerned. So I wanted to talk about that psychiatric side, the mental mm -hmm. health side, things that you struggled with in the past and how you were able to overcome those things. Yeah, you know, for me, I actually, I actually love, as a spiritual man, I love the merger of all, of, of it all. I actually believe it's all kind of shaped together. I think, obviously, right. I think we're, we're kind of grown, you know, brought into this world with some broken elements. Mm -hmm. But um, there's opportunity depending on, no, and no one gets to choose where they start. That's the challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Like you grow up in the world and, and you're without a father doesn't mean that all is lost. It just means that there's something missing that 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 is a real integral part of your growth and development as a as a child. You know, even more so even as a man, I would, I would go out on the ledge and say, um, because I believe that role really shapes a lot of identity and security, right? Um, you know, when it's properly stewarded, the father, the, that role and what that person plays. Um, and I think those are some of the things that really leave gates, gates open um, for some of those things that we could be predisposed to, right? It's like, you know, that generational things, there's, you know, hereditary diseases. Well, once you know that, you know that you're predisposed to it. So you have to make this conscious decisions mm -hmm. about how to limit that opportunity that's open, right? So I think that all actually works together. And, um, you know, you know, the spiritual man calls it a generational curse. This, you know, this, the, the, the mental health person says it's a hereditary, you know, predisposition. So it's all the same thing in my book. It's all one. And I think right. for me, um, you know, all those things kind of come to the forefront as you're growing, you're learning, you're shaping, you're making decisions about who you are, what you believe and what you become. And ultimately, you know, you still are subject to some weaknesses, like your character development. Um, you, you have some weak areas of your character. It might be discipline. You know, you might be strong in, your found in, your, in who you are, but you might not be as disciplined and you don't make your bed every day. You don't brush right, your right, right. It's things like that. I think that as we grow and assess ourselves, we can really, you know, like be honest about who we are. And that takes some humility. Man, and it's just, you know, you, you said uh, an important piece about how all this is kind of connected. You know, it's all it all kind of goes together. And, and I, I just wondered listening to you um, and, and listening to the maturity. And man, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud to, to hear it. You know what I'm saying? It's been a, it's been a minute, man, you know, but it's much love. But man, just, just proud to listen to you and talk. And, and you talk about how all this, um, it just kind of goes together. How much of what you have been through as a as a juvenile, as a as a young adult, as a now as a family man, as a spiritual man, how did that help you in your role as director of player development for the Giants and trying to help now guys who are coming up the same way that you came up? Yeah, and I just I, I just transitioned recently out of that role, but I felt like there was very few as qualified as I am personally from primarily from an experiential level. I think you know there's a lot of different ways to validate people right you know academically intellectually and um you know of course i got my degree and i have a great resume that backs my 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 legitimacy as a professional um but really you know like i i, I endured even at 30 you know 30 something years old transition out of the league i i endured m most of which very little like i've seen the highest of highs i've seen the lowest of lows mm. in that in that in that short amount of time from an experiential standpoint I had the highest paid contract as a special teams player. 
Um, you know, yet, you know, the truth be told is, you know, like once that contract was like, when I leave the league, I ain't got a million in the bank, you know? So like, it's like, you know, like, so there's so many different dynamics, meaning like, you know, I come into the league, get drafted, but I'm broke after my first year because I got arrested on my, I blow my whole rookie year. So I, I've experienced it all. I've seen great instability. I've seen great stability. I've been married for 16 years one, right. to one beautiful woman, seven beautiful children. So I've, I've, I've kind of have a great balance and experience. I've had mental health challenges, even through my transition uh, from my old life to my new life. Right. It, it revealed itself in a, in, a, in, a, in a way where I'm like, shoot, I almost lost my mind, right? So people have great fears around, number one, confessing and acknowledging that, right? Like, I know that there was something spiritual behind it, but it still revealed itself in a psychosis type of way, right? Mm -hmm. So how do I express that? Meaning like, I can identify it and help people get, this, get the resources that they need. Like, yeah. for some person, it might be a conversation around their growth and spirituality. For most of them, it might be say, hey, we, and actually for all of them, we need to talk to the clinician about what what the next steps are. Understanding what's most important for these individuals right. as it relates to what they're tempted, challenged, or, you know, really, you know, working to overcome. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a very important piece and it's vital to player development and just a personal development is that we address all aspects and generally in sports, is more so the physical, but like a previous guest, and we've always said that, you know, th this sport is 80% mental, 20% yeah. physical. So if your mental is not right, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> definitely gonna throw off that physical, ex the, the expectations that you have to do your job, yeah. you know, um, in this particular league and just sports in general. So so I definitely love the, the emphasis on the mind, body and soul and being able to address those things just as, just as many coaches as, as we have in the league, assistance yeah. coaches and position coaches, we need to have clinicians as well on, on all levels. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. from rookie development all the way up to your vets that's been in the league 15, 20 years, there's always a transition of some sort, whether that's, you know, like 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 you said, David, you know, seeing the lowest of lows to the highest of highs and, and being able to manage both of those. Because yeah. I, I know some people that, that get that hot head when you get that high, That's right. you know, you get, you get you feel like you're untouchable, like nothing can happen to you. So you, you start to be more impulsive yeah. and, and, and less logical in a sense, because you just feel like you're on top of the world. So I, I definitely agree with that and, and feel that it's important that all, all organizations, sports organizations should have clinicians to address you know that that mental piece and then like you said have that spiritual piece as well as well as trainers and everything else that we do have yeah. in the league currently mm -hmm. but but it's definitely vital and important yeah we couldn't agree actually this was the this year was the the year where they actually did ratify the cba to ensure that there is a uh, a licensed clinician that is working with every team that is 100 de designated um you know most of them have always had some incapacity especially working in concert with uh, player development, um, but now they're actually mandated to have a role within the team um, with a minimal, you know, hour requirement. So, um, you know, progress is finally being made. You know, these conversations have been had, but they're, 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 I think the severity of where we are from a mental health standpoint and everybody, you know, for, you know we're talking about the data with, with these, uh, you, know, you know, with these emerging um, younger generations, 
And I don't know if, you know, if, if, if they're, they're so, you know, for lack of better, for, for simplicity of language, that much more wrecked than previous generations or whether we're actually just doing more studies, you know? Right. So I think, you know, I know, you know, I know that younger kids are less uh, risk averse as it relates to drugs and alcohol than my generation was, you know? So, but obviously, you know, their vices are now into the, you know, the tech and so there's different addictions. So right. um, it's very interesting how it all, how it all relates, but we definitely need the, the, the people in place to be in position to actually be able to hopefully um, recognize, but also, you know, have those conversations when people are crying out. You're dropping a bunch of jewels here and you're talking some really uh, good stuff, man. And really just, you know, this is great to just have, you know, men that look like yourself mm -hmm. uh, to be able to talk about some of these, you know, personal issues, not just being on the surface. Because at this point, we recognize that our platform is not just for us anymore. You know, mm -hmm. our journey was, was simply our journey, but the platform at the end of this journey is for everybody else around us and the, those that we can touch. And bro, you're doing a great job of, of just being real, you know, intimate and candid about, you know, what it is from a mentality standpoint that you have went through. It hasn't always been roses. It hasn't always, you know, been bad either. You know, you, you've accepted and appreciated the good things in life as well in that journey, as well as, you know, the times that you felt, you know, were, were low moments in your life. And that is a, that's a life, that's a life thing. That's everybody does that. It's just not David Tyree, it's just not Damien, it's just not D. All three of us deep. Yeah, right. But you know, you know, but um, you know, everybody kind of go, kind of goes through that, man. You just, you're a family guy. You've been married, and kudos. You talking about sixteen years? I, I, I don't have that many people in my phone. I can tell you right now, right. who have been married sixteen years. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's that is a, a celebration in itself, man. And to to be that guy, um, mm. now, you know, what does what does that look like? You know, because. We got we got family we got families watching too, you know what I'm saying? And how do you how do you balance all of that? The mental struggles that I know I know you have physical struggles because we played on that same turf. So I know you got <laughs> I know you got I know you got physical. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got to tender nighters kind of sneak up on you, boy. Yeah. <laughs> so family, you know, the family systems, bro. Like how you know? Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're blessed, man. So, you know, my, when I, when my life really, you know, like you said, when I was born again at 24 years old, a lot of things foundationally came together. Um, I wasn't raised with a faith at all, and I wasn't anti-faith at all either. But, um, you, know, you know, because Christ became so real in my life, it aligned the majority of those things and gave me a value system that was higher than my own. Mm. And, you know, I just, it was a real thing for me. I tell people all the time, I don't, I don't do religion like that. Like, you know, like this thing was real. Like I'm, I'm totally invested. It's kind of like when somebody's committed to their sport, like that's how I'm committed to Christ. So we, so to, to answer the question is like, when me and my wife were on one accord about it, you know, like, so it, it creates great simplicity. Um, you know, we're still human, of course. We're not talking about the fact that is there ever a disagreement? Of course, but we've never even had by God's grace, a knockdown drag out argument 16 years so marriage now five years before that our relationship was about as unstable as <laughs> as water okay <laughs> you see you you remember a few of them years so yeah you know, yeah yeah that's the change for me and then moving forward that's kind of our it's you know I, I believe that marriage in of itself is the bedrock of every human civilization 
And, and we're, because when you have a commitment in place, the value and the sanctity of marriage, and I know our society doesn't view it this way, it's based on the commitment and the sacrifice. So because I'm committed, I'm, I'm gonna sacrifice my comforts, cares, and the selfish disposition that every human has. Right. Mm. Like, we just gotta acknowledge it. Like, we're just some selfish, rudy poo jokers. You know, like, we want what we want. And marriage tests that, but it's also meant to be a forging flame about, you know, that 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 offers me the opportunity to yield my own pleasure in, a, in, a, in an instance for the service of another. And if we can adopt that commitment and that sacrifice in our relationships, then everything around us begins to flourish. So I think that's that's where the stability of my children, we have seven children from 18 down to six. You know, four boys and three girls, twin girls in the middle. It's beautiful, it's work, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but, but but honestly, like the, the, it's, it's really the our commitment, right? Because once you're committed to something, now you're just figuring out how you're gonna get it done, right? It, it's really not, once you see it as a non-negotiable and a no way out, it's really okay well shoot here's the obstacle how are we going to get this done and and i think that's where we're at so we're, we're seeing people are less committed you know especially as it relates to marriage people are more less committed than ever adolescence has been extended things of that nature we're, we're seeing and i think that's why we see um a lot more instability is because people don't have an anchor they don't have an anchor in life that 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 grounds us and that comes primarily through significant relationships Anchor in life that grounds us. We're gonna get that across the screen. If everyone heard that, yeah. If 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 I have my anchor, you have your anchor. Yeah. Everybody has their anchor in life that grounds us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That means hella high water. We gonna you know we have a foundation. We are gonna be. Our, we got something that we can oh, work yeah. with. Oh, we need it, man. Life life is happening. So that's one of my things I share all the time life is happening to everybody and no one hits harder than life right so so hey man what, what you gonna do now that now that life is throwing big blows in this season <laughs> now you know, what now what right yeah. and i think god intended it that way i think part of those things that even the most there's some hard things that happen there's some unexplainable things you know there's there's things i don't have answers for um yet they're happening right there's sufferings i don't have answers for yet they're happening and I think part of this is, you know, for us to humble ourselves and recognize our need, right? So even if you don't have a faith toward God in a particular way, then you're gonna need somebody else, right? You're gonna, like, so it's not to say you can't get through, it's that you're gonna need something else that's stronger than just yourself to overcome. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So so again, we, we definitely wanted to talk about this, this business because it's still within wellness, it's still, you know, yeah. something that, yeah. that, that everyone can benefit for. So yeah. I definitely want you to kind of plug that. Tell us what kind of, what what brought you to that particular business and, and where you see it going in the future. Yeah, I you know, appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, last year we started the year with a 15-day cleanse. And so that was five days of food and 10 days of a juice cleanse. Wow. And so for the end of it, um, you know, ended up in Charlotte area and ended up, you know, it was like the last day and I didn't want to, break it i wanted to finish strong instead of going to get that big juicy steak from capitol grill yeah. uh, <laughs> and my boy took me over to a little spot and it was called clean juice and concord concord mills and um i just never seen a place aesthetically like it it was it was you it was an organic spot not that I, I had never been of course 
doesn't want to eat organic? You know, I got seven kids, so I was trying to temper that, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> If the milk is organic, you can get some, uh, <laughs> you know, so. Right. But it was a great product, um, but they had a value system, you know, that was really strong and it was consistent with who I was. You know, they weren't afraid to integrate their faith and their business model. And I admired the courage. You know, like business is business. So I'm not in, like, you know, I'm down for business, but I did, but I can appreciate that. Cause you know what, if you say Jesus, you're gonna disqualify about half the people, you know, like, so there's, you know, like just and for, for silly reasons, not, not, but ultimately it was, a, it was consistent with high standard, right? And high quality will cost you, right? That's kind of the whole idea. If you're gonna, you're gonna have to make the sacrifices to get what's best. Right, I believe that about life in general, right? And, um, and I think when it comes to our bodies and our wellness, we don't give it as much attention. We beat these bodies up physically and we're in a GMO age and it's, you know, it, it is what it is. I appreciate the GMO, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't want no seeds in my watermelon and grapes, but, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I recognize that there's, it's still inferior, right? So that I gotta be honest and it was something that, you know, I, I realized from building a legacy, my family could be a part of this, even if it was one story. Hopefully it becomes three stories, five stories, 10 stories. We'll see where we go. But the concept in of itself was about wellness and offering a product that was that was gonna add value to people's lives. And th that I could buy into. And so we just went for it, man. So I, you know, with God's grace, it's been a couple months we've been open in Morristown, Clean Juice Morristown, first location in Jersey. And it's been well. Good. Wow. Wow. Man, listen here, man. You know, we don't wanna I could I could talk to you for days, man, because you got such a great story and we got yeah. some reminiscing to do, but That's I won't take up your time, man. But I, I, I so much appreciate yeah. again, yeah. bro, just to just to, you know, uh, it's in the midst of a, a, a big schedule. You got a big family, you you opening up a new new spot, you still, you know, throwing fires into your 16, 16 year marriage, you know, so that's a busy guy, man. But I just yeah. wanna thank you so much, man, for your heart for your passion and helping others, man, for being dedicated uh, to your faith and, and using it to as a platform to influence those right. who are walking the same paths and even those who don't, but but may, may at some point in their life, man, that's big. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of us black men can't do that. We can't open mm -hmm. up like this to right. each other. And, right. and that's and that's uh, um, that's a hell of a thing that we gotta we gotta get over at some right. some point. Um, yep. But man, listen, you know, I, I gotta say, I can I can talk I can talk to you for days, but one thing I gotta tell you before we before we go, give me some. The fans wanna know about the catch. They wanna know about Got the catch. Cause I was scared. <laughs> Cause old Rodney Harris, he pretty he pretty strong. He he he's known as old kind of a little you know dirty right. under the belt type of guy. So I I knew something was gonna happen to get it up out of there. But man, when you stuck that thing with your helmet, just talk to me about it. Yeah. So I'm gonna give y'all, I'm gonna give y'all the behind the scenes scoop, and then we'll, you know, of course we'll talk about it. Cause I was about to say, man, we ain't even talk about the catch yet. So, oh yeah, we're gonna talk about it. So the cool thing about it, and, and I, you know, obviously I wrote, I shared my story years ago, everything leading up to the catch in the book, more than just the catch. So it's all in there. But I give you the, the, the coolest thing about this is that man, like you talk about promise. And I think that every person is born into this world with promise. Of course, everybody doesn't understand and perceive that promise. You know, they use all kinds of buzzwords. Like, I believe that, you know, and greatness or success is subjective. Meaning like, you know, you can find great satisfaction doing all kinds of different things. But right. So I say greatness, man, 
you got to tell people, man, you were born for great things. And that, you know, so short story, this was obviously large scale, but the night before the game, one of my teammates, I was close with his mom, she's spiritual, she passed her in Jacksonville. We praying for just a blessing, you know, <laughs> that blessing, Lord. And, uh, and boy, that, that prayer just shifted. She prayed for the twins. My wife was eight months pregnant with our twins. And um, praying just, you know, and then and the ship, she said, David, God is quick in your feet. He's giving you hind feet like the feet of a deer to jump high. I'm like, okay, bet. And then she said, the Lord is putting spiritual glue on your hands, all right? And then the last thing she said to me, God is gonna give you the big play, okay? So I'm down there, you know, I believe, I believe God, you know, believe God can do what he want, how he want, whatever he want. And, and now when she said God's gonna give you the big play, I'm I'm literally thinking, man, you know, like, so I got the greatest catch in Super Bowl history and the most forgotten touchdown in Super Bowl history, right? So, wow. but that play that I scored the touchdown on, when she said the big play, I'm like, boom. If they call this, I score a touchdown, it's right. over. <laughs> and so I scored a touchdown and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's out of control, here we go. And obviously that wasn't it, right? You know, so, you know, me. Ephesians 3.20, God can do exceedingly above and beyond all that one could ask or think or even imagine. And so, and the last thing, her husband actually got on the line and said, the world will no longer remember you as a special teams player, but as a wide receiver. So, so all this was in the heart of God. It had been expressed to me the night before the game, not having a clue. So, you know, that's the beauty of it. And, you know, the joy that it brings, whether it's just a good old sports fan, whether it's the New York Giant fan base where tears, I've had some crazy stories, as you can imagine. People who have tore a daggone ACL, jumped so high. And said, I'm talking about some stories, man. Now, I think Arms. I had to put on a brace, and at least some ice for about 20 minutes. I jumped too. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, brother, that's that's the love. That's that small road love, and that's that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, but um, but yeah, man. So just to be in position. To, to be a part of something significant, right? To play a part in a greater story is really what to is what means the most to me. Um, the fact that God that God was involved in my life in a very intimate way to the point where the world like I could be a part of the narrative. The last and I'll finish it up with this. When I was it might have been my senior year at Syracuse and they, they, some interview, and I remember you know I'm on special teams. So I'm trying to block every point, you know. I, I might still be the leader in block points or whatever. I don't know, but um, you are. So I, you know, I ended up hitting the punter in one game, and this dude he's asking me like, "Well, you know, he asked me about it. Obviously, it's a bonehead play." And um, and I got around to it. And I said, "Listen, I'm not playing this game to be average, man. I'm trying to." And I said, "I'm, I'm I want to be remembered." And I remember, right. and the headline probably says something similar. Like I'm, I'm playing this game to make an impact. And, and it's when I think about that and I move forward and I fast forward this life into the catch, God fulfilled everything in my heart's desire as it relates to the game with one moment. And um, so for me, it was a gift for the whole, for the whole, you know, obviously being a part of the legacy of the Giants and NFL history, you can't really, you can't, you can't prepare for that, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Receive gifts, you know, you receive gifts, but you also, I try to have the humility to to give honor where the honors due, that's right. and uh, that's that's to my teammates as well as to God. Wow. Well, well, we definitely appreciate everything that you've done throughout your career and what you've done post career, what you've given us today here on this show, your vulnerability, your transparency, all that. Like D said, 
you know, we developed this platform to allow those those individuals that we often see as like, you know, just big and buff and just strong physically, you know, um, to be able to be strong mentally and express those weaknesses that we all have, you know, that, that we're always working through on a daily basis. So I definitely appreciate salute to you, you know, with everything that you have going on, family, God, business, everything, continue blessings on that. Um, for sure, but you know, this is what we do here on Blow the Whistle. What it's we, about, we, we, man. We're blowing the whistle on that. What day. it's about, man. You know, I, I, I say it all the time. If one person emails us and says, This saved my life, we, I, we, we've done it. We've Absolutely. Done it, you know what I mean? And Absolutely. You, and you, you sharing with us is a part of that, bro. So, I, again, I appreciate it, man. Great. Uh, good, good luck in all your, your business endeavors and, and, and keep continue to be uh, walking strong in your spiritual walk, man. And, and as a family guy, I have I have nothing but the highest expectations. You'll continue to do the same thing you've been doing, man. And so powerful. So powerful. Listen, I want to encourage you guys, man, for what you guys are doing is extremely powerful. And uh, just just receive it as seed work, man. Everything that we're doing is seed work and it's going to bring forth fruit in the lives of many, man. So thank you for allowing me to get in, get in, get involved with this. This is a no-brainer. Anything I can do to continue to uh, advance the cause and get the word out there, man. Y'all just dropped me a line. Y'all, y'all keep doing great things, blowing the whistle, and uh, you know, y'all, y'all headed for great things. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Where, where's the, where's, where's the clean juice at again? Yeah, it's Morristown, Jersey, 68 South Street. Come check us out, right downtown Morristown. Certified USDA organic, extremely high quality product, cold pressed juice, in house, bottled in house, labeled in house. Made with love, baby. We got you. And you've been, oh, you been you've been taking commercial acting lessons too. That's a good. One. <laughs> Bro, you know I should have went. I should have went for marketing when I was a big. That's right. Uh, yes, yes. That, <laughs> that's a flight right there. Let's catch that. Appreciate you, big dog. Yeah, love man. you, man. Be yes, all love. Great done, man. You have a wonderful day. All right, man. All right, man. So make sure you follow us. You know, Instagram, Blow the Whistle underscore. Make sure you check out YouTube, Blow the Whistle Podcast. Just Google it. It's all there. We on it's Google right now. Tuesday, 8 o'clock. That's what we do. We Stop playing. Man, hey, we, we on fire right yeah, now. We on fire.